3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I'll be one of my friends just trying to make you some money. My job, I just entertain, educate, teach, Context. call me. 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at JimKramer.com. When the market gets incredibly oversold, like it was coming into this week, remember I told you that? You have to expect an amazing bounce, even if the news flow is merely okay. But when you get great news in an oversold market, you end up with the most spectacular week of the year. Ah. Dow you on another 263 points, SP volume 1.05%. Now that's actually charging one66 percent What a week. Stocks caught fire. Because the Federal Reserve blinked. When Fed Chief Jay Powell told us that he's ready to cut interest rates, if he needs to, it was a game changer. His stance put a safety net under the market. If the economy slows, Powell will bail us out with rate cuts. At least that's the thesis. Suddenly, bad news becomes good news, which is why we rallied today on a disappointing labor report. Just 75,000 new jobs created in May. Also, what the government taketh away, the government can give it. Last week, the market tanked when President Trump came out completely out of left field and announced his tariffs on Mexico, which will kick in next Monday at 5%. Today, though, Trump said there's a good chance he'll be able to make a deal with Mexico that forestalls the tariffs. That news kicked the rally into overdrive, causing a wave of short covering in the SP 500 and much higher prices. Trump's stock. And it didn't hurt that we got some fabulous earnings just this very week. Salesforce.com is here. I'm a huge top and bottom line beat, incredibly bullish guidance. That breathed new life into the Cloud Kings, which have been sluggish lately. Mostly because people didn't like the VMware and Splunk quarters, but VM is coming back to life. I would buy that one, by the way. You get it out of the penalty box. Now, um, some of these companies didn't report great guidance. That's really what it was. Now, I think that VM has been overly punished. I expect more upside. What else? Well, this week we had no real news on the China front, thank heavens. Personally, I think no news is actually good news because whatever talks the administration is having with the Chinese should be conducted in private, for heaven's sake. Still, I don't expect to deal with China. I do expect the president to slap tariffs on another $300 billion of goods we import from them. I'm looking at a 10% level. Now, you know I'm worried that Apple will be hurt by both sides here. As much as I like Apple, and you know I know that, I believe it. I still believe nothing's changed here. I want to own it, not trade it. If you can't handle the negative headlines, listen and listen up right now. After today's jaunt, back to 190, up $4.93 today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk away for heaven's sake. Get when they get good, okay? I can take the pain of reversal. Can you? It's not for everybody. Finally, we got some earnings from two of the hottest IPOs I've ever seen. Beyond Meat, which if you stick around, you'll see me actually eat one. It's not that interesting. And Zoom Video. And the numbers were so incredible, the insane runs in these stocks They actually have been totally justified. With that in mind... What's the game plan say for next week? Well, first, one way or another, we're going to get some resolution to this Mexican tariff situation. Hopefully, we'll be able to work out a deal. I say hopefully because I don't think Mexico is our enemy here, although I don't like the mass migration into our country. Neither Democrats or Republicans should, but they can't seem to get along to do anything about it. How about the earnings? On Monday morning, we hear from Thor Industries. Remember them, big maker of RVs? This one's been rough. Thor has now endured quarter after quarter of disappointment. Two years ago, the stock was on fire, and there was a sense that the millennials loved camping or glamping or whatever in RVs, and we thought it was a powerful secular growth story. But the industry turned out to be as cyclical as ever, and the stock's been annihilated. Can Thor turn things around? I don't know. I know there's value here. Maybe there's a catalyst when we see the quarter. Maybe not. Also on Monday, it's a little tricky here. Eli Lilly is having an update, but it's just on diabetes. This is the American Diabetes Association. That said, I think the stock could ramp on any good news because it happens to be the key product line. That's right. It's lever to diabetes. Lilly is one of the best pharma companies on Earth. Yet its stock is down nearly 14 bucks from its highs. I bet management tells a very good story, and you can buy Eli Lilly which is, as I said, one of my faves. On Tuesday, Dave & Buster's reports, I expect this dining and gaming chain to put up really good numbers, experiential, and keeping with the best of the restaurants. What else? I'm always trying to get a better read on the state of the economy, particularly small business, because it's not really measured well by the Commerce Department. This kind of information is really hard to come by, and that's why I like to listen to HD Supply. The conference call is usually pretty informative. The company supports thousands of small businesses. When HD Supply is weak, It has caused, believe it or not, whole swaths of the stock market to get hammered. But now the Federal Reserve is your friend again, a weak data point from these guys may actually be positive. Yes, good news is is begotten from weakness. Lululemon reports on Wednesday. What can I say? I mean, these guys have just gotten it right. They're charmed. They're charmed, okay? Lou's got the right product at the right time, and I bet the airport's still one more great quarter. In the 170s, I would still buy it. After the close, though, here's a little snake bite. RH, a company formerly known as Restoration Harbor. This stock has been a real stinker lately. It's down more than 25%. For the year. A lot of that has to do with the company's Chinese exposure. They get a lot of merchandise from the People's Republic, and it's furniture. As CEO Gary Friedman points out, they source so much stuff from China that they really just can't flick a switch, and move the supply chain out of China. That exposure has cost them a fortune, though. I think RH will remain in the doghouse as long as the trade war continues. And if it were to ever abate, it might be the go-to name in this whole board. Thursday, Broadcom reports. Now, I think Hocktan, who's the visionary CEO, will try to explain how his company's been able to thrive in spite of the trade war because it's protected by its latest acquisition, CA, and is an old just cell phone. While Broadcom will have a hard time blowing away the numbers, they do have an extremely consistent track record. It's been a real bad short. Finally, on Friday, here's one that we all know, Centene, CNC analyst mini. company handles government-sponsored uh, health plans, and I bet CEO Michael Nidworth will once again explain why all these acquisitions he's been doing have been terrific for the numbers. Centene might be worth buying ahead of this because I think the estimates are too low. The managed care stocks have been rocked by all the Democratic presidential candidates. They're pushing for the single-payer thing, and I think people overestimate the likelihood of a Democratic president being able to pass something like Medicare for All. Ain't gonna We also get retail sales on Friday. Now we're in good news. It's bad news territory. Bulls need to hope for a weaker number. I know that sounds ridiculous. But when you're at this stage of the business cycle, you begin to hang on the Federal Reserve for every word. Anything that makes them more likely to cut is good for stocks. And a weak retail number is exactly what they need to see if we're going to get a July rate cut or even sooner. Bottom line, we want weaker data. We want disappointment in the aggregate, but we sure don't want to see anything weaker when it comes to individual companies, and that is a tough tightrope to walk. But I bet this market can go higher, still, as long as the president works out something with Mexico over the weekend. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Bill in South Carolina. Bill! Booyah, Jim. Happy Friday. Oh, no kidding, Bill. I totally agree. What's going on?
4: Listen, uh, I'd like some guidance on calls. I am an Action Alerts Plus member. Thank you. Um, and uh, thank you. Oh, and so, what I'm looking at here, I've had three entry points it's at 7454, at 5784,
1: and at 5164, my position at Coles. And I'm just wondering. What is the acceptable downside from here? I know well, you know, that's, it's almost it's-
3: at 6%. We actually bought some. We're going to wait till 46. Thank you for being a member of ActionLargePlus.com, the club. We're going to have a big club call on Thursday, and I'm going to have to address the coal situation. I think Michelle Goss is terrific. I don't think they had a good day. That's why the stock keeps going down. I think it's way too cheap. Not every stock can be Costco. And I mentioned that because Costco keeps going up. We are taking a value approach and this market does not like value, but I have to do something that's contra the market periodically. And thank you for being on the club call next 11, uh, next Thursday at 1130. How about Kevin in California? Kevin!
0: Heyo, Jimmy. This is Kevin in San Diego. I'm calling with the stock that came across my desk. His symbol is TTD. The trade no, desk. No, you're talking trade desk. With, uh,
3: trade it, desk. Yeah, is the trade desk. We love trade desk. It is an oh absolutely God, terrific situation. Oh it's the I kept. You know, a lot of people felt that Google could wipe them out. Oh, contraire! It has not been able to lay a glove on them. Okay, market's ended this week on a high note. Thanks to the Fed signaling, and it may cut rates. Thank you, Jay, pal Hey, listen, man, on December, you almost get blasted as the kingdom come. Hey, now we're getting a little action, pin action. As I told you earlier this week, we want to keep seeing weaker data now because I think it'll be the final nail in the coffin for a summer cut. We have to have it. Oh, my money tonight, my exclusive CEO of Boot Barn, wear my cowboy hat, someone took it. And uh, oh, let's just put this one on. What do you think? You know, I'm not a black-hatted guy. Come on, man. People <laughs> look to me as a kind of an in-between kind of guy, like a gray hat. Stock's up 70 cents so far this year. So are these boots, is this hat made for walking? Then you down with uh, you down with the OTT thing? I'm exploring the future of television, which plays could pay. And is uh, one man's trash your treasure? I'm digging into Cobana's business. I like that yield now. Find out if it can make you a winner. So stay with Craig. I'm opening up the lines to hear from you, the voices of Kramer, because it's an uncertain time. I want to talk to you.
0: Mr. Kramer, I just want to tell you,
3: you are absolutely, positively fantastic. Thanks for helping us not panic in times like this. The average investor, which we all know and love, you cater to us,
1: and we appreciate that for all you teach us.
3: I am not going anywhere. You shouldn't either. We will get through this together. Kramer has your back. Call
5: 1-800-743-CNBC and let's take on the market together.
3: We're going to figure this out. We'll puzzle it over and we'll make it so that we're all smarter.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.
2: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
5: Oh, yeah. You need not live in the heartland to strut your stuff like an icon of the West. The markets have shown this is no flyover stock. But in the raucous retail rodeo, are investors ready to
3: give Boot Barn a big old booyah? big old booyah. At a time when so many retailers are struggling, we got to get much more selective about these stocks. Even when a retailer puts up excellent results, there's no guarantee its stock will be able to rally in this environment. Take a look at Boot Barn, a lifestyle chain that sells Western and work-related footwear, apparel, accessories. Okay, the stock got hurt bad in the fourth quarter. Since then, it has come roaring back. It's up nearly 70% for 2019. However, in the past month, the stock has stalled out after that big run, high 20s. Even though Boot Barn reported a terrific quarter last month, stunning 8.7% same-store sales growth, management also gave what I regard as conservative guidance for the next fiscal year. Since then, Boot Barn shares have been in a holding pattern, and it feels like investors just don't know what to do. So, uh, should we be worried? Or is it just taking a breather before it resumes its march higher? Let's dig deep with Jim Conroy, He's the president and CEO of Boot Barn. Find out more about his company's prospects. Mr. Conroy, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to Thank see you, you Jim. Have a nice seat. Good to see you also. All right, Jim, you come prepared, as always, and it's Father's Day. And I'm thinking, will my wife watch the show and get me something that I want? It is very clear, I think, that you are not a retailer as much as you are an experienced that is in a store, and that has meant that you've been able to break away from the pack, including the month of May when everyone did poorly.
1: That's right, yeah. Our May business has been really strong. We actually called that out yesterday, as you pointed out. Um, And you're right, we are trying to build a brand, and we're building that brand and that experience through storytelling. And that story takes all sorts of forms. Uh, You talk about Father's Day. I uh, I think every dad has a little bit of cowboy in them. Um, But for this Father's Day, the story that we told was really hearkening back to the military, and we were able to tie together Memorial Day, Father's Day, the 75th anniversary Mm -hmm. of D-Day, and the stories that we told were about veterans who were dads that started charities and not-for-profits to give back, and we are writing checks to each of those charities and investing in them, and um that's hoping great. for a great business, but not, not discounting the product to, to drive the customer. And I noticed
3: that you stepped up with social. You talked about how you're cutting back from some advertising, including the mailings, which I'm glad. Because even though I still of the, I'm of the texture, I like the, the mailer, that's not the next generation. They like right. it. You know, there was some outfit, Revolve, that was, uh, came public today. Right. Hey, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. Right. And it works, doesn't it?
1: It does. Well, what we do is we have three distinct customer segments. So when we look at our fashion Wonder West customer, Uh, The timeliness of Revolve's IPO today was great because that is our—we try to emulate them. They're the best. They're good. They really are. But I think a lot of retailers then chase that shiny penny, and for us, that's perfect for fashion. That's not perfect for the work customer or the Western customer, so we speak to each of those customers completely differently.
3: At the same time, in the conference call, you point blank say, listen, we do have China exposure, but it's uh, not—some of it's passed on. Uh, eaten by the other guys, basically, right. and not to fret. Why should I not fret? Anyone who has China exposure, I get nervous.
1: Right, of course. Well, that's certainly a hot topic. Um, we've been talking about it so much in the last couple of days. Um, for, for exclusive brands, you know, it's about 20% of our business now, and only a portion of that comes from China. So our direct responsibility is mitigated to some degree. Okay. Even if you push it to the entire assortment of product that's carried by uh, vendors that we buy from mm-hmm. sourced from China, It doesn't really put Boot Barn uniquely in a disadvantaged position competitively. In fact, you could argue that because we're the biggest, we have some advantages that our number one competitor, mom and pop, doesn't have, right? Right, right. We can push back with more buying clout to our vendors and and push up to the supply chain. We can shift to our exclusive brands that are margin enhancing. Um, Because we essentially set the price for the industry, we can push whatever comes our way down into the store. So... It's certainly something we would have to address if it, if it comes right. to fruition, uh, but we'll be prepared I mean, to address it. The it. next tranche. Right.
3: No, right. I mean, do we ever get, you ever get blowback? I mean, I, I think some of these should be American-made. I don't want Chinese uh, shoes. Does Anyone care?
1: Um, there are some customers yeah. that do care. So we do carry an assortment of boots and jeans and apparel that's made in America. Uh, most of our cowboy hats are made in the USA, actually. Nice uh, in see. fact, yeah, we we brought one for you. In fact, um, and not only is this hat, which is our exclusive brand, by the way, not only is this made in America, it's made here in New Jersey. In Jersey, we don't make hats in Jersey, do we? Yeah, we do. This well, we, used are, to, the, we used to be the hat capital of the
3: world and glove capital. That's of the world. right. That's right. And so, is it, we making a comeback here? Well, most
1: uh, hat, <laughs> most hats are made in the United States, including right. these hats that are made in New York. And um, in Newark. I, yeah. So oh,
3: congratulations to Newark.
1: That's right. So give it all the conversation about tariffs in America. We figured we'd bring you a gift that was actually made here in the U.S. Well,
3: thank you. I happen to have I was just down in Mexico and I was wearing a baseball cap. A guy puts a hat on me. He says, listen, you don't wear baseball caps when it's baking outside. You right. wear one of these. Right. Right. And I think that everybody one of the things I love about yours. You're in 33 states. But. I think it travels everywhere. You saw our, and not, our not just flyover graphs when we
1: came does. in. I think people often think that it's just flyover states, right. so to speak, the middle of the country. You know, most of our biggest businesses are in cities: Houston, Dallas, um, the Inland Empire in California, oh. Bakersfield's a big okay. store, Las Vegas is a big store, Nashville's a big store. So you know, I think there's a misconception that it's just pure rural America that where we can grow. Right. And, we certainly think we can take our 240 stores up to 500 stores and right. grow across the country and up into New York and Pennsylvania and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll blanket oh, yeah. all 48 but, contiguous yeah.
3: states. Well, listen, we have a house in San Miguel de Allende, and they make, they make these, and my wife loves these, but we don't see these in New York City yet, right? We, we're, we're not there yet.
1: Right, right, but, but you when? would you would see them in Texas for sure. Well, my wife doesn't live in Texas; she lives in New York. You might see those on the west side of of Manhattan. That's <laughs> what
3: we want. We want your store because it's different, for heaven's sake, and that's why you're different from all the other retailers in yeah, terms of the numbers you. you're putting up. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Uh, that's Jim Conroy, the president CEO of Boot Form. What do you think? I mean, what do you think? Uh, uh. Okay. Oh, my cameraman license. That's good enough. Everybody's (laughs) back after the break. (laughs) Great to see you.
0: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Visibility at Indeed.com slash MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: He says it seems like everybody's getting in on the act of these streaming services. I mean, there's Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, Comcast, parent companies, network, working on one. And at ATT's acquired Time Warner, they got getting in on the action. Now, a few weeks ago, Fortune ran a real good profile of Randall Stevenson, the CEO of AT&T, and there was a little piece of it that really caught my attention. They asked John Stankey, who I do not know, who runs the old-time Warner, now dubbed Warner Media, how many subscription streaming services can survive? His answer, I thought, was very cogent. Quote, I think it's somewhere between 10 and 2, and it's probably on the lower side of that scale, end quote. He goes on, quote, a good outcome for a company like ours is that there are four or five. I think we've got a position where we can be one of those, end quote. And you know what? I think this fellow Stanky makes a good point. There's only so much room for these subscription services. I mean, how many can you carry? Lots of people are cutting the cord here, but you're not going to spend more on a bunch of streaming platforms than you currently spend on cable, because what's the point? So we got to start asking ourselves, which of the streaming services are most likely to make it to the final four or five? Who's got the best offerings and who's in trouble? This is a tough question to answer because, in many cases, the services aren't even out yet. It's just all conjecture. But considering the importance of streaming to the entertainment industry, I think we need to give it a shot right now. We got to, just even on the limited information we have, we got to make some judgments. And that's why tonight we're ranking the subscription streaming services. Even though it's true, once again, we. <laughs> We haven't seen some of them, but this is from the perspective of the consumer. Keep in mind, the most popular platform may not be the best investment. However, if we're going to pick stocks, you need to understand the appeal of the underlying product before you get to the uh, nuts and bolts of the spreadsheet. So let's tick them down. Starting with Disney, which has a lot going forward here. Now that Disney's acquired 21st Century Fox's entertainment business, they've got a controlling stake in Hulu. They've got fabulous sports franchise, ESPN Plus. I've got that. I love it. Later this year, they're launching Disney Plus, which is designed to give Netflix a run for the money. These are three individual services, but management has said that they're likely to offer some sort of bundle. Now, we already know Hulu. It's been around for years. It has its own library of exclusive programming. It's got nearly 27 million paid subscribers. Did you know that? 11.99 dollars a month to watch it? Plus, uh, you no know ads? ESPN Plus launched last spring as of the past, uh, as of past February. It had more than 2 million subscribers at $4.99 a month. I think that number has to grow and grow rather quickly. And Disney Plus rolls out on November twelfth. That's going to be at six ninety nine a month. Individually, these services are already great bargains. I think, but them together, save for fifteen twenty bucks. And I think people would flock to Disney, and therefore, flock to the stock. But the real key here is Disney's diversity content. In a world where everybody and their mother is trying to sell you streaming service, content is king. Disney's got sports, got TV shows, movies, including two of the biggest franchises. Chances on Earth as Star Wars and uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I like them both. The idea is that Hulu will be their more adult offering, while Disney Plus will be more Child friendly. ESPN Plus is the undisputed king of sports programming, and they just pay pay top dollar to get the UFC rights, which, judging from what I've seen, is doing quite well. Management thinks they can grow the Disney Plus subscriber base to 60 to 90 million subscribers by the end of 2024. It's one of the reasons why the stock spiked, with 8 to 12 million subs for ESPN Plus, 40 to 60 million for Hulu. Now, I'm inclined to believe those numbers. Hulu's already a top tier streaming service on its own. And I'm betting Disney Plus will be essential for anyone who has kids. It will be a bargain versus having just to put that library together individually. And that's why I'm ranking Disney above Netflix number one. Now, Netflix still comes in second. Obviously, there's no mystery here. Netflix is the big daddy of streaming over 153 million subscribers, Sure, they're the income in the space, and it's become fashionable to speculate they'll be torn apart by these new competitors. And as everyone else launch, launches their own platform, Netflix is going to lose a lot of content. Together, Disney, AT&T, and Comcast account for 40% of Netflix's viewing minutes. That's one of the reasons why it's here and not there. Now, there are plenty of legitimate concerns here, but I think Netflix has already established itself as the top dog in streaming, and and, and they're not going to have that much trouble retaining subscribers. The company's been putting out its own content for years, and it's pretty, let's just say, it's a slate for everybody. They have a treasure trove of data about what you want to watch. And they It's almost artificial intelligence-like. And their international growth has been spectacular as they target the taste of individual countries. Netflix knows what the heck it is doing. Number three in the streaming hierarchy, I'm going to put WarnerMedia in here. That's the subsidiary of ATT. Again, this is another service that doesn't yet exist. And unlike Disney+, we have no idea about the launch date. However, according to a piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, WarnerMedia is going to run a beta version of their service later this year. According to the story, it'll cost between 16 and 17 bucks a month, and that will include HBO Now, which already costs $16 a month. You'll get HBO and Cinemax, David Faber's talked about this morning. You'll get the Warner Brothers film and television library, including DC Comics, Harry Potter, and Friends I can see this platform succeeding purely on the strength of HBO, and who knows how ATT will use their wireless network to promote the service. Fourth, Always going to be in there. Amazon, this time at Amazon Prime. It has more than 100 million paid subscribers, uh, $119 a year, $13 a month. It can pay month by month. Prime Video is really its own. uh, It's a beast. Sure, they have lots of great original content, Jack Ryan. That's a Viacom product, by the way. It's Paramount. And Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, my wife likes that. But it's really more. It's Maisel. She calls it Maisel. She must know more than I do. Yes, right? Maisel. 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 Yeah, my wife is going to be right. She watches it. I don't watch it. Anyway, it's probably good for all I know. But it's really more of a fringe. It's very good. But really more of a fringe benefit to get people to sign up for free two-day shipping. It's like what happens is there's people out here on the floor. You may not be able to see them, but they're all going Maisel, Maisel, Maisel. So it's obviously popular. Maisel. He's a Maisel guy. Maisel. Mazel, there's Mazel. Hey, Mazel. Love it. Okay, well we now we've established <laughs> that. Still, I think Amazon will remain one of the top players here because this is another incredible bargain. And just like Netflix, Amazon knows what you want to watch. Number 5, NBC Universal parent company's network, rolling out its own streaming service in the first quarter of next year with free ad-supported version and an ad-free subscription version for about $12 a month. I think NBC's got terrific library of content, if I do say so myself, and management thinks they can quickly grow the platform to 30 or 40 million users. That'd be found money. I'll admit that our parent company is a little late to the game here, but I think that they have a real contender, as Comcast, the parent company of NBC, has the firepower to compete here. Sixth place, Apple Plus. Huh. It's launching this fall. Why is Apple Plus so low in my hierarchy? Look, Apple's a very well run company. I always say own it, don't trade it. Look how well it's stocked in today. But we still don't know a ton about what they'll be broadcasting. We know this service will debut with a fair amount of original content from a, a whole slate of TV shows, several movies, two Oprah produced documentaries, video version of Oprah's book club. However, without knowing the price point or more detail about the program, what do I do? I'm going to put it up here? I can't do that. Again, content is king. And we have, to, we have no idea yet. If their content will be any good, although I understand the people they're trying to recruit are top notch. Finally, at the bottom of the pack, there's CBS. Wow, the most not-watched network. Believe it or not, CBS was one of the first movers in the space, launching their all-access subscription service way back in 2014. Then last year, they rolled out something similar for Showtime. And between the two platforms, they now have more than 8 million subscribers. Hey, that's that's not bad. Magic thinks it can go to 25 million by 2022. I'm conflicted on CBS. On the one hand, I think Showtime has enough quality programming to make it in this environment. But CBS all-access just doesn't feel that essential to me. And don't forget, CBS, they got a management problem. I don't need to go into it again. They're nice people, but... I mean, come on already, Mick, you know, get off the pot. The bottom line, with so many media companies launching their own subscription streaming services, we need to start thinking about winners and losers. here. the best streaming platform, may not be the best investment, but I think it's a real good place to start. Jason in New York, Jason. Hi there, Jim. This is Jason from Plainview, New York. Plainview, New York. Long- okay. hey, I know that Plain town view- well. What's up? Yes. O- awesome town. I'm a longtime listener and a first-time caller. I like that. I wanted, I wanted to add a stock to my portfolio that I believe is a good hedge against the China trade war and tariffs. Okay. What are your thoughts on adding Etsy to my portfolio? Hey, I had uh, I gave a corporate governance conference yesterday and I got to speak with Josh, whom I know. Josh is, you know, Brooklyn's a very small part of uh, it's not it's too many people, but it's more, smaller small. They're right at the end of my block. I think Etsy is absolutely terrific. I think you're getting it at a really good price. And I bye, would urge you bye, if bye, it goes bye. below 60 to buy even more. Why don't we go to Kyle in New Jersey? Kyle. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Oh, Real good. I, I thought this might be another Kyle. Fine. How about you? Uh, amazing
4: here. Beautiful Friday. Uh, two right. quick questions about mm-hmm. Snapchat. With all this FTC Snapchat? regulatory drama going on with Facebook and Google, where do you think Snapchat weighs in all of this and also up 140% year to date?
3: I think it's moved it too much. I, it's moved too much. Uh, social media, I'm still going to go. I, I tell you, my Chapel Trust owns Facebook. I still believe in Instagram. Boy, there was, there was an outfit today that rang the bell. Really, really positive on Instagram. I, I have to, look, I hate, I don't like what's happening in Instagram and what they did with privacy, but the advertisers still love it. That's the one to be in. The streaming space is getting crowded, to put it mildly. And while it's unclear which companies will be the best investments, I think Disney, Netflix, WarnerMedia, they're my fan favorites. Watch made money ahead in the global race for sustainable energy. Covanta is a world leader in converting waste into pure power. But can it stock? help you turn trash into treasure with a 5.7 percent yield, then sometimes Wall Street can do the right thing. I'm going to tell you how how to react to these IPOs that everyone was talking about today. Of course, we're going to try to make money. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. There's always a bull market somewhere, you know, I like to say at the end of every night. And right now we got a stunning bull market in garbage. Waste management's up 29% for the year. Clean harbors up 34%. Covanta Holdings has rallied 32%. So what's going on here? Okay, take Covanta, which is a waste disposal company with a huge waste energy business where they convert millions of tons of trash into clean, renewable power. For years, this company has performed inconsistently. Frankly, a stock was stuck trading sideways, even as it paid a very nice dividend. Currently, yields 5.7%. Lately, Covanta has caught fire, with the company reporting strong numbers. The question is, can they keep this up, even if the global economy is getting slower? Let's take a closer look with Stephen Jones. He's the president and CEO of Covanta Holdings to get a better sense of how this company's doing. We're Senator hey, Mr. Jones. Welcome back to Mad Money. Good to thanks, see you, sir. Thanks for having me on again. Okay, thank you. Now, a lot of people are always confused about what you're really levered to. Is it the tipping fee? Is it the idea that there's more waste? Is it uh, in 2014, your stock went to 24? What happened then? When you look at your forecast at the beginning of the year, what do you look at as the key metrics to determine what Covanta will do?
4: Really, the, the waste side of our business. So 70% of our revenues come from the waste side of our business. Smaller percentage for um, power, and then even a smaller percentage, 5% or so for recycled, recycled metal.
3: And how is the waste right so now? It's a good time to be a waste company, right? It's seven
4: percent percent year over year. Some huge. Number. We saw so the first quarter we had five percent price growth, and that's driven by a few things. Um, landfills are closing, particularly in the Northeast. Uh, you're seeing a lot of people move into the population centers, and our facilities tend to be up and down the East Coast, along the population centers from Boston down to Miami, or and 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 then lastly, and you and I talked about this last time I was in. Uh, the recycling industry is in a bit of a mess. That's yeah, terrible. Yeah, and so you have recycling material, which, quite frankly, we'd like to have recycled, but instead, it's finding its way into the, res- the regular residential waste well, flow. We want it to be with you and not in landfills, right? Well, yeah. So you you have a you have a choice, right? It, we we design these facilities to be post-recycling. So mm-hmm. do the recycling, and then bring them bring the material to our facilities. Um, right now that's not happening in some cases. So you have municipalities and recycling companies who have shut down their recycling programs. So the waste is finding its way into the regular waste stream. And so you have a choice. You, you want to dig a hole in, and bury it in the right. ground or do you want to take it to an energy from waste plant and recover the inherent energy
3: that's uh, that's in that waste? Well, I regard this. We're calling this the summer sustainability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that Mayor Bloomberg uh, has had a hand in what I go by, I guess, every day, the East 91st Street uh, tr- Marine yep. Transfer. Tell me about that facility. So that
4: Marine Transfer Station, Mayor Bloomberg uh, was the architect of a number of Marine Transfer Stations. Yes. Uh, we operate two of them, one in Queens, which we've been operating since about 2015. Right. Uh, the Manhattan, or the East 91st Street Marine Transfer Station, just started up. So we take all the waste from Manhattan, goes to energy energy from waste plants, and uh so so this has been uh, a project that's been in the works for some time. How
3: uh, are you affiliated at all with this, uh, the announcement yesterday, the $500 million uh, campaign, basically, of his own money to wean us off coal? Uh, we're not involved
4: with it, but it's certainly going to help us. Right. Because if you look at... Um, renewable energy and, and, you know, what you want to do with energy from waste. You want to make sure that you're, you're taking your waste and not putting it into landfills because in landfills it produces a lot of methane, and methane's a, a big greenhouse gas. And instead, take it to an energy from waste plant. So anything that's focused on climate change will help our business.
3: Now, Stephen, c- could you explain to me uh, the action in the stock in the sense, what happened in 2014? Was that China? something, what, what spiked the stock to 24 and then brought it back down? Because I, you know, a lot of the utility stocks that we follow, for instance, Con Ed, uh, American Electric Power, they've had very consistent, nice move up. Mm-hmm. You don't seem to be levered to the yield curve. That's why I mentioned at the beginning, right. like, well, you know, I'm trying to figure out why your stock's been stuck, given that I think you're in a good business.
4: So if you look back at the twenty four, the 2014 time frame, um, at that point, there were a number of long-term power agreements that were running off-term, and they were at high power prices. And so, um, so, and okay. so that that's happened over time. In 2014, around that time, the board raised the dividend up to the dollar that it right. is today. And you mentioned the the healthy mm-hmm. dividend yield. So I think that had a positive impact on the stock. At the same time that you were seeing. Uh, and in fact, the company shrink, and that's right. changed today. Right. We're you actually a growth shrink. company.
3: Now, yeah. let's talk about uh, one of the great growth projects is in the U.K., mm-hmm. and as soon as I hear U.K., I get you know I get worried because of Brexit, yeah, Brexit. but it doesn't necessarily have to be bad right. for Covanta.
4: So we uh, about a year ago, we started working with the Green Investment Group, which was the renewable energy arm of the U.K. government, went private. Um, we're working on six projects right now. Two of those are in construction. One rookery, the other, um, which is which is near um, London, the other one is Earl's Gate, which is in in the Edinburgh, Scotland area. Uh, another, a third project is got its operating permit and is uh, expected to be in construction in Q3, and a fourth project is expected to be in construction in Q4. So we're going to go through uh, 2019 and get four projects in construction. Well, that's we haven't really had that growth. kind of growth in decades.
3: Right. So that should be a nice uh, a nice flight path for 2020.
4: Right. And that's why I think you're seeing our stock move up over the last uh, kind of year to date is I think investors are, are starting to see the growth that we've talked about come to fruition. And do I have to worry about Brexit or is there a way to quantify what, uh, that it could be good? So Brexit's got, you know, no one's really sure how it's going right. to play out. But there's three and a half million tons of waste that are that go from the UK to the EU to, to uh, Central Europe. EU yeah, may not want that. Well, they may not. So if it gets stuck in the UK, uh, first off, it means waste pricing is going to go higher. Right. And then secondly, they're going to new, need more energy from waste plants. And so that'll be beneficial to us and our GIG
3: partnership. Well, terrific. Look, good yield, good growth story. I think that sounds like a lot of, lot to like. That's Stephen Jones. He's president and CEO of Covanta. If you're in the East, you see this stuff all the time. And, you know, good. That's what they're doing. We don't like landfills. We really don't like nothing. Right. right. Thank you so much. The money's back in the room. It is time! It's over the lightning round one another. The starts Bye by the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Steve? That right? is over the lightning round because we're Isaiah in North Carolina. Right? Isaiah, booyah, Kramer, booyah. Coming to you live from King's Hot Dogs in Royal Hall, North Carolina. Elon Musk, broom, broom. What do you think of Tesla? Well, I got the rule out, rural out for here. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go buy or sell on Tesla. Why don't is that? Don't because it's just too darn hard. And you know what? You don't need to have an answer to everything. That's something my mom taught me. Let's go to D in Virginia. D. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, this is D. This
0: D from Virginia. <laughs> Booyah. Booyah. So... So my husband Zoe and I are your number one fans. We watch your show every night. It's actually our tradition to watch Mad Money every night. Yeah. We love it. So you are so dedicated. You do amazing things for us. Yes. We really appreciate everything. Thank you. We really appreciate it. So um Zoe is also our news reporter and he's recently been telling our family about miracle and he explained to us that Americals is the only publicly traded temperature control warehouse in yes, the U.S. Yes, it is. And it's, yes, it is. A- it's
3: funny you mentioned because I literally am working on another project where I bumped into the people who do it and it's good. That's a good story and I like it uh, and I think you should stick with it. Let's go to Kurt in North Carolina. Kurt!
4: Hi, Jim. longtime listener from Southport, North Carolina. Okay. My question is my question is for PayPal. Um, I was lucky enough to get in early. I would like to know if I should sell half. I would, and no, work I would with stick the with
3: it. I was with Dan Schulman yesterday, the excellent CEO. I think they got a lot more coming. Another 2 billion people could be joining up. I do not want you to sell PayPal. My travel trust sold it too soon. We had such a big gain. I was wrong. Let's go to Jason in New York. Jason. Booyah from the Big Apple gym. Oh, good to have someone local. What's up?
1: Not much. So I have been following a stock for quite some time, and I want to know if it's time to buy. CLR, Continental Resources. No,
3: it's not. I don't like the fossil fuel stocks. I don't like the ones that don't have dividends. Even the ones with dividends aren't doing that well. I was on in an interview with Brian Solden with the CEO of Royal Dutch, and I still wasn't interested even with that one. It's a good deal. So i have taken a hard pass. Andy in Indiana. Andy!
0: Booyah, JC. Booyah! Uh, calling about United Natural Foods, UNFI. Thank you. No,
3: no, not good. Just not a good situation. And I got to tell you, I don't even like the whole cohort anymore. Uh, I just think you got to stay away. It's been just one disappointment after another. (laughs) Says it all, right? All right, how about we go to Jerry in Michigan? Jerry. Yes, I'm interested in Pfizer. I've been watching your show for the last... Pfizer's good. I mean, it's not going to shoot the lights out, but it is good. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you to buy it. By the way, i like Willie to here ahead of this diabetes conference. Matt in Michigan. Matt! Hey, Matt. Hey, Jim. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Booyah, but double booyah. What's going on? Hey, love, love your show. Thank you. Talk to me about... Talk to me about Cintas. C-T-A-S. Ever since Cintas A-S. merged with G&K, number one and number two, how the government went to do that. It's kind of like what they did with Lindy. Uh, it has been just on fire. As long as there's job creation, I thought it might be you have a tough day today because of the bad unemployment number. Now, I mean, Cintas, <sighs> it's just such a well-run company. I wish they'd come on here. I mean, it, it is just a monster. All-time high today. How about we go to Luca in Texas? Luca. Boo-boo-boo-boo Yeah, Jim.
0: Good, uh,
3: good my form. stock is Splunk. S P L K. All right, now I don't know why that people were saying that Splunk wasn't a good quarter. That is nonsensical. I would buy Splunk right here. By the way, let me just also throw in VMware. Both of them I think are good to own right here, right now. And that, ladies and Up the lightning round.
5: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: When is TARDIS? como esta amigo? I totally get that. It means what's the stock. <laughs> Continue to look... <clears throat> <clears throat> hey, I'm <clears> throat> throat> Something that can implant in your brain. <clears throat> Thank you. I mean... Hey, I've been it for 14 years. I can sneeze all I want.
1: Hey, Jim. Booyah! <laughs>
3: wow, man, that took a lot of energy. <laughs> Tell you, man, I, I hate cows. I mean, cows are all about met. Oh, sorry stock market is full of bad behavior, but every now and then, Wall Street does the right thing. Take, for example, Zoom Video Communications and Beyond Meat, two red-hot recent IPOs. They both reported, and their quarters were, well, they were things of beauty. I've been skeptical of these two because the stocks are already rocketed higher. I figured they might need to deliver unbelievably good numbers to keep rallying. And turns out that's exactly what they did. Zoom could rally 18% today, Beyond Meat pulled at 39%. These were incredible moves. Keep in mind, Beyond Meat came public at 25, and now it's at 138. Zoom debuted at 36, now it's at 94. Now, we've had so many disappointing IPOs of late, like Lyft and Uber, where the stocks were priced at levels that they gave big wins to the company, but big losses to the public investors. That's not supposed to be the way it happens. Ideally, when the brokers are managing an IPO, they want both the company and the shareholders to make out like bandits. The stock tra- gradually climbs to stratospheric levels. Though, candidly, you could argue that both these were priced too low. And this is the beginning of the wave. Now, we didn't see anything like that from Lyft or Uber, which, by the way, lost both its operating and marketing chiefs this very evening. But it's exactly what we got from Zoom and Beyond Meat. And make no mistake, these stocks are absolutely trading at stratospheric levels. Beyond Meat is a meatless burger and sausage company with products that are loaded with chemicals. Serious competitor in the form of privately held impossible. We had the Nestle guy on. He's got one, too. Zoom is a cloud-based video software provider that's had a lot of success with the enterprise. But it's facing some fierce competition from the much larger Cisco. Both companies could easily be imperiled. Right now, though, they're both performing at the top of their game. Beyond Meat sales grew at a 215% clip, to 1215. And its gross margins, is what it makes it up to the cost of goods. So increased by more than 1,000 basis points versus last year, 200 basis points versus the previous quarter. That's remarkable. All these numbers were well ahead of what Wall Street was looking for. The company has a number of irons in the fire, including the possibility of some big wins among fast food chains. When Beyond Meats Management was asked about the competition, they explained that their rivals made a number of mistakes giving them a real head start in the industry. They're adamant that they make a much better burger, and they believe that there's still a ton of room to grow, as the meatless category is still at least a 2%, uh, just a 2% household penetration. Hey, no wonder the stock exploded higher. All right, how about the Zoom? ZM. They delivered just a, it was a huge top and bottom line beat. They added 7,700 customers. That's incredible. They signed four deals that are worth more than $1 million a year. As J.P. Morgan is a terrific note, quote, this is what you want to see out of a company for the first quarter post-IPO. Numbers across the board were significantly ahead of the estimates and the quarter was clean. The continued rapid adoption by existing customers by big big upside in new customer additions and early traction on Zoom phone point to a long runway for growth. These results underscore our confidence in Zoom as our favorite stock, even with the current valuation level, end quote. J.P. Morgan. Look, I've been warning you for months that the recent flood of IPOs was creating a situation where we had too much supply on hand, especially after the Uber deal. But some of these deals really were fantastic for investors, and I wish I'd been more bullish about them. So I say two cheers for Zoom and Beyond Meat. They may be too rich now, but they made you rich if you stuck with them. Let me give it a try. No methane. Not bad. Not bad i
0: Hi Jim. Hi, Jim. What's your program every day. I love it. You are currently coaching three generations of my family. Thank
3: you for being the greatest in the world. I'm here with my son, Jonathan, who's nine years old and loves your show. I love your show. I love it when kids are involved. Jim, thanks for everything you do for us. I wanted to thank you for all the wonderful advice that you provide us. We're going to get through this together. We're going to be constructive. We're not going to be pessimistic. We're going to be realistic. We believe in diversification, and the S&P Index Fund is still the best single diversification method ever invented our world is a better place with you in it we thank you for all you do Look, the staff said I look good at it. So you you got to take advantage of that. Blue barn looks like a good stock to me. So does Cabanta Look, the market needs this Mexican trade deal because we've just gone up and had the best week of the year. We are not ready for disappointment. And believe it or not, last week I told you, wow, we oversold, you got to buy it. Guess what? By the end of today, we are now overbought. So now we're in need of good news to keep going higher. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Money. I'm Jim Craver, and I will see you